Hey Jexiteers, thanks again for stopping by. If you're new to the channel, my name is Riley and I'm a former Jehovah's Witness. And today, in support of Mental Health Awareness Week, we'll be discussing the mental health issues experienced by Jehovah's Witnesses, both current and former. Joining me in this discussion will be Debbie Edwards. Debbie is a former Jehovah's Witness and certified counsellor. She also provides support and coaching through her Facebook page, which is called C-A-A-H. Now, regular viewers of my channel will recognize Debbie from an interview that we did together recently. And here's a brief clip from that interview. The, the fact that the marriage was really struggling and I felt so depressed and isolated also bothered me. And I wanted to, I requested a shepherding call, you know, because I, I just felt like, well, someone, you know, someone must see what's going on and uh, maybe we'll get the help that we need and then we'll take, I'll have this little holiday with my daughter. Uh, he wasn't coming with and then we'll come back and it will be, it'll be fine. Because um, I really wanted the marriage to work. And um, I remember when the elders arrived <laughs> for the so-called shepherding call, they, I felt it was a complete ambush. Bearing in mind, I've been, out, I've been away from my family for that long, missing my family, depressed, isolated. Something just kind of shut you know, something just shut down. I remember sitting there in that room, looking at these elders and nodding like that. And then saying in my mind, this is a load of rubbish. This is actually mind control. Hi, Debbie. Thank you so much for joining me. Hello. Hi, Riley. How are you doing Thanks today? Okay. I'm well, thank you. Doing well. How about yourself? Yeah, I'm great. Yeah. Thank you. Good, good. good. Thank you. Also joining us this evening will be Jared Hall. Jared is a former Jehovah's Witness and XJW YouTuber. He's also a psychotherapy student. Jared's YouTube channel is called Jared's Truth, where he speaks about positivity, self-love, and his experiences as a former Jehovah's Witness. Here's a brief clip from his most recent video. I am gay, and the, the, the religion is based on faith. I no longer have that faith, yet I'm still being treated like this, where my parents don't have anything to do with me. I've got no problem with people practicing religion. I've got no problem with Jehovah's Witnesses. But when a religion impacts on a person's life, like it has on mine, and if you've watched my other videos, you, the, there is a video on my channel about my suicide attempt. When it impacts somebody's life like that, it's dangerous. That aspect of it's so dangerous. Many, many times I pray to God to make me not gay. Many, many times I prayed to take away this pain. And one time in particular that I remember was not long after I got disfellowshipped and I laid in my bed for two hours crying my heart out because I couldn't deal with the pain anymore. Hi, Jared. What an emotional story. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. How are you doing today? I'm all right, thank you. Yes, are you? Yeah, great, great. Thank you very much. So it's Mental Health Awareness Week in the UK. Um, what better time to speak about the mental health struggles of former and current Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, are you guys ready for this? Yeah. 
Yeah, great. Yeah. So um, we had a little chat yesterday evening. We decided that we're going to split the discussion into several different topics. So uh, viewers, please feel free to send in your questions. Um, what we're going to do, we're going to discuss each topic for a few minutes and then um, we'll answer your questions on that topic before moving on to the next one. Okay, so first up is self-love and self-care. All right, now uh, I've had my own issues with this. I mean, uh, as I'm sure you'll all understand, uh, self-love and self-care is not something that's really discussed in the JW religion. Um, any kind of caring for oneself is deemed to be selfish. Um, everything is about doing more for the organization, you know, doing as much as you can for the organization and really making yourself secondary. Is that something that you, you guys have experienced as well? Yes, I mean, I had the um, observation that self-care and self-love seems to equate to idolatry, immodesty, mm -hmm. um, lack of humility, all things that are drilled into us are bad things. So it's all about self-sacrifice and putting yourself last and and it doesn't it doesn't align with self-love if you were to feel that you wanted to you know look after yourself and and pay attention to how you're really feeling it would almost be as if you're breaking some rule or contravening some yeah. guideline you know i don't know how uh i don't know how yeah. you see it how you experience yeah. it. That, that was my experience mm. uh yeah follow around from that i think even the term self-love it's totally misunderstood um, when you're a Jehovah's Witness. I know that I had that. I, I used to think it was kind of a, a narcissistic thing to love yourself. But when you realise what self-love is, um, it, it helps you to understand. And I think when you're a Jehovah's Witness, you are taught that we are sinners. You're a sinner. Um, you know, we're lucky to be given God's approval in any way and to be alive you know we owe God everything and I think to that level that that influences your mentality and I, and I don't think you realize that when you're a Jehovah's Witness I don't think it's something that you're aware of because you do think that you are looking after yourself you do think that you you are taking care of yourself but it's only when you leave you realize the influence that the religion has had on actual real self-care and actual what what that actually means internally and externally yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've had the, the, the same experience. I mean, um, the way I felt um, as a witness, that any kind of looking after myself I did was like maintenance, like the kind of maintenance you give to a machine so that it can continue providing you with a service. Um, and, and that's how I felt. I felt like, you know, I couldn't really look after myself properly. It was just routine maintenance so that I could keep going, keep doing more, keep going on the ministry, keep doing more study, keep doing this, keep doing that. And um, yeah, it just, it, it was really, really draining. Especially when you're having um, issues, mental health issues or emotional issues, and you really do need to look after yourself. And um, when you do, you're seen as being um, selfish and, mm. you know, um, elevating yourself above the need of the organisation. Are we talking about counselling in this section at all, or are we? I've got a different section for that. No, yeah, we can talk about counselling. Yeah, because I, I just wanted to 
add a little bit of that where, where I don't think as a Jehovah's Witness you are discouraged from having counselling but also you're not encouraged and I mm -hmm. I know I, 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 that it's almost like if you go and have counselling that it's gonna it's gonna be a bad witness for instance when I got this fellowship I was told by an elder, don't go get counselling. I was told by my dad, don't go get counselling because they won't understand about not being able to be gay and a Jehovah's Witness. I got in, like, I got, got told not to get counselling and I said I am going to get counselling because I know that I need it. Um, I don't think by any means my dad or that elder was saying things in a malicious way. I think they were saying it in a genuine way that they didn't think people are going to understand. But what does that say? You know, it's going to be a bad witness. I think there's a massive amount of cognitive dissonance there where they realise, actually, if you go and get counselling and speak about your experience, particularly mine when I got disfellowshipped, what kind of witness is that going to give? Not a good one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I, have a, I have flashbacks of, um, you know, when you say um, selfishness and... Um, the selfish and then there's self-care and then mm. there's self-sacrifice and then there's self-love and they just seem to be polar opposites of each other i know there were crossroads in my young life where i wanted to pursue things for myself like i wanted to go to university um and i remember my teachers really trying to encourage me to go and you know trying to help me with applications and i, I mentioned it and it was seen it was I was talked out of it because it was um, seen as being selfish because I, I should, rather than think about that, I should be thinking about serving where the need was greater and, and, mm. and self-sacrifice. And, and it, was, it, was, it was nearly impossible to, to have um, an idea about putting into practice self-care and because we, we're not encouraged really to, to stop and take it inwards we're not encouraged to be introspective we're encouraged to be doing things we're, we're encouraged to be busy be out in the ministry be be if we're regular if we're a publisher auxiliary pioneer if we're an auxiliary pioneer regular pioneer if we're a regular pioneer special pioneer well that's how it was when i was it which is a long time ago but the point is there really wasn't even time for self-care in, in my recollection it was just a matter of go, 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 and not think about anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And when the, the advice that you're given, whenever you're having any kind of issues, is just to do more. Yes. It's, it's, it's the doing more that is causing your issues in the first place. You know, it's, it's completely, it's a completely, you know, counter counterintuitive solution. Like, like, say if you have a car and the engine is overheating, you don't solve that problem by running faster. Right. You know, but but that's the advice that you're doing. It's just, mm -hmm. it just makes no sense. And, and I think as well, that really ties into this, well, my own personal perception of the organisation now, looking back, it's more of a business than a religion, or it's a business masquerading as a religion. And the reason why they give that kind of advice is because the focus is on productivity, just like a business. Yes, you know? absolutely. Get the hours up, you know. Place yeah. well, it used to be place magazines, uh, place literature. Get the hours up. Serve where the need is great. Um, 
be busy with quick builds, just like productivity, almost like you were part of a factory. Uh, and it was more about output than about looking yeah. after the resources, which the resources yourself. And whatever weather, rain, snow, be out in the ministry. You know, my, my mum was a single mum with six children. And sometimes, you know, we'd, we'd be out in the ministry in the pouring rain and freezing snow and, and we wouldn't all have umbrellas. But she, I know that there was a lot of pressure on her to be be spiritual and be act spiritually active because, you know, um, if she wasn't, then there would be elders knocking the door to find out what was going on. Um, where was the, Where was there time for self-care? Self-care would have been, oh, you know, being inactive or being uh, irregular, you know. So it really is at odds. It really is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, have, have you experienced that, Jared? I think you are made to put everything in the organization first and, and to put Jehovah first is what is what it's kind of sold to you as, isn't it? It's put God mm. first and you come second. Mm. And I really don't think that I think that anybody watching this who is still a Jehovah's Witness, because I'm I've I'm very good at kind of like remembering where my brain was at back then. I don't think they would understand this conversation. I think they wouldn't understand how that is actually happening to them because of the, um, maybe not anybody, but if, if the, it's it's hard to, to know it when you're a witness because you've got so much hanging on it. You've got so much um, within the religion that, because you're so busy, you don't see it, if that makes sense. Because you're having to be so busy, um, you don't have time to even think that that's happening. Yeah. So then you're not aware of it. Apart, yeah. apart from the yeah. fact that you go every circuit assembly and district assembly you go to, the people that are celebrate, the brothers and sisters that were celebrated, highly celebrated, were the ones that were like manically um preaching or manically had like million Bible studies. And if you were by normal standards, you know, still a person that was believing in God, you're going to, you know, a normal person in the world will go to go to church on a Sunday. A lot of them don't. But if they go to the church every Sunday, they're a practicing Christian and they feel quite happy with themselves. Imagine in the in the in the organization, you just go to the to the Sunday watchtower and you don't do anything else. You're practically You'd be you'd be shunned, or you'd be marked, or you'd be a bad association. So it's really um, the normal is not normal. The normal mm. is, as you say, Jared, is is busy, busy, busy. So you really don't have time to to think. How am I feeling? What do I need? Um, and how can I meet that need for myself? Mm. I don't mm. think that mental health awareness is there. It's it's just not and. and they might there might be articles about depression and things like that, but they don't understand it unless unless there's somebody who is depressed. They kind of understand the fact that they're depressed, but then anybody that's kind of experienced it, not experienced it within the organisation, doesn't seem to want to understand and the impact that the actual religion has to make someone depressed. Or it's not. It's just the awareness is just not there. It, you never, you've never gone to a meeting. There'd be a talk about, you know, mental health awareness. 
and how to look after yourself when you're mentally not well that maybe sometimes you, can you imagine them saying you might need to not come to the meetings for a while because it might I be too never much say that. you know you've got never in a million years no, they wouldn't. and i've thought about this since i've been out of the religion what about people that get anxiety that can't go to meetings because they're anxious because the, there is people like that where they don't want to be in a group of people so mm. they're not understood and, and, and i feel that that's very unfair to them because they would just be viewed as irregular or yeah, not yeah. Actually, no, they've actually got a mental health problem where being in a group of people like that, even traveling there might be too much for them. Uh, we, used to have three we used to have three meetings a week. You know, when we used to have it on a, a Tuesday, Thursday and a Friday. That's a lot, you know, and, and I don't conventions, think, yeah, conventions. Assembly, the district assembly. Yeah. Yeah. Knocking yeah. on doors and, and talking to perfect strangers about the Bible and, you know, having the risk of someone being abusive or slamming the door in yeah. your face. It's yeah. that all of that is, is a nap would be natural causes for anxiety in any context. Yeah. Yet mm -hmm. It's supposed to be, it's seen as normal or, or you know, uh, sold as normal and then celebrated. Yeah. So well, we yeah. do, there is yeah. a warped sense of what ment of mental health awareness. I'm sure a lot of those things yeah. would, would have caused mental health issues uh, for people who are maybe introverts and who do suffer from anxiety yeah. uh, within. It, yeah, definitely, and it seemed to be, I don't know if this was your guys' experience, where if that was the case, it was almost like, well, you need to pray to God more. You need to have more faith. God will give, you the, Holy Spirit. God yeah. will give you the Holy Spirit to have the strength to do that. Yeah, so if you are praying, you are you are studying, and it's, not, it's still not happening, what must that do to people who... Are feeling the anxiety still well god must not bless me god must not be with me because the elders are appointed by god directly the organization is appointed by god there must be something wrong with me and imagine how much that must make somebody feel worse mm. actually that then they think the problem is with them and then that but there's then like we spoke about earlier there's no kind of there's no kind of remedy of self-love yeah exactly Exactly. Just um, before we take some questions, picking up on what you said earlier, Debbie, about the kind of examples that are used at the assemblies. I remember being at a circuit assembly and there was this couple that they were interviewing and <laughs> this couple were saying how, they, how much they love the ministry. They're both regular pioneers. They live for the ministry. And on the day of their wedding, they went on the ministry in the morning. <laughs> literally they were on the ministry in the morning and then they got married in the afternoon the, the, the same right. day and i just thought to myself how sad <laughs> yeah you they know. would be held up as a good example and that's why they've been yeah interviewed. Like they were so, everyone was applauding everyone was applauding and you know you know say oh what a fine example you know i mean the day you get married the one day that you're allowed to just think about yourself and your partner and no they're saying rather than do that follow these guys example and go out on the ministry in the morning <laughs> no if, the, if, that if, that was a job, if that was a career and they were like let me just take one more meeting on the morning of my wedding you'd say you don't have work-life balance and there's exactly. a problem with that but in, exactly. the, in the in the religion there there's no frowning upon uh i don't know what well, well, i don't know religion life balance or, or, <laughs> or witness life balance 
You're not yeah, supposed yeah. to have that. It's supposed to be all 95%. No. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Okay, well, let's take some questions on this topic of self-care and self-love. So are there any questions or uh, comments that we can have a look at? Okay, so Miss V Moon, now you are away from the religion. Do you now see that your JH peers or JW peers were negatively affected by not having self-care? Mm, what do you guys think? Um, thinking back, it's been a while um, since I was in, but I know that thinking back and with the benefit of 2020 hindsight and a bit more maturity, I can see that many people were, one of, one of many of my friends were depressed. Um, yeah. A lot of them, uh, young people, you know, the one thing that they don't frown upon is having the odd tipple. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, oh, any opportunity for a glass of wine or for a yeah. beer, you know, more so because that was, a, a, you know, a way to feel better about mm. just what your life was. And I know that's um, also kind of quite a big thing in Bethel, where there's supposed to be like the ultra spiritual. Um, there's a lot of drinking as well. And that also yeah. I, th I think is a sign of depression mm. when, you, when you lean on that. And I, I do, I do see that clearly looking back. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. I mean, um, there was one pioneer sister that was in a, a that I was in a congregation with, and she was literally on the ministry twenty four seven. Apart from the apart from the uh, meetings, any time that I saw her, she was out on the ministry. I would literally, any time I left my house, I was guaranteed guaranteed. Almost, almost guaranteed to see her street witnessing or doing the door-to-door um, -door work. Just, she was all literally always on the ministry. It's like she never ever went home. And she ended up having a nervous breakdown, having to um, be, you know, I think she was sectioned at one point. Um, and, you know, there, there's, there's no doubt in my mind that there was a correlation between how much time she spent in the ministry and, you know, her declining mental health because she was literally doing nothing else. That's right. That that is not normal. It's not no. it's not it's not healthy. Yeah. No, you it's know. not it's not healthy at all. It's not healthy mentally in the same way that like you say, you're you know, running on empty physically is not healthy yeah. physically. That's not yeah. healthy mentally. No, no. I, I remember seeing a I remember seeing a video of a, a brother that was talking about well he was out now when his wife and him were in um marriage school i think it was a couples couples school okay Almost, yeah the, like, uh, the school for christian couples i think yes it's yeah, and they're yeah. Preparing them for, and in the middle of the whole um of of the class one day um a sister had a nervous breakdown like she, wow. she had a breakdown in the class and they just literally had to just carry her out and that was it because of all the studying and all the, you know, the pressure. It's, what what yeah. would you expect yeah. of a human yeah. being? Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's terrible. Have some more questions. Okay, so Deborah Allen, what does it say when your pioneer mother had time for all her Bible students but no time for her children from very early age till being an adult? That's really sad. 
Mm. She wasn't balanced. Yeah, definitely not balanced. Um, definitely not balanced. I've, I've heard of things like that myself. I have. Yeah, yeah. I've heard of um, elders who mm. are you know, spending so much time doing their, you know, performing their congregational duties that they neglected their families and their families broke down as a direct result of that. You know, I know of a couple of elders where that was the case. Uh, I was thinking about that as well. A lot, a lot of elders whose children were the, were the ones that were getting disfellowshipped a lot. Yeah. When I was in Belgium anyway, because they, they were just so busy with the congregation. Children really do were doing what they, you know, whatever they wanted. Yeah. 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 And in every congregation that I've ever been in, the worst behaved children were always the eldest children. <laughs> find that as well. Yeah. Hundred <laughs> percent. Crazy. And another trend that I, that I found as well is um, a, bit of, a bit of crackling. I'm not sure what that is. Another trend that I found as well is um, you would have an elder, his wife, and their children, and then as soon as the children go up and leave home, they split up. The the, the elder and his wife split up. I've seen that so many times. Have you guys seen that? Um, I didn't see too much of that. I don't know whether it was where we were living. No, I didn't see too no. much of that. Me neither. I, I just saw a lot of young couples, you know, maybe two, three years into their marriage, just marriages breaking up because, you know, obviously getting married for the wrong reasons, incompatible. Mm. Um, the, elders tended to, the elders tended to stay together, but the children would go out, would be disfellowshipped, and then it would just be, you know, them and their them and their wives. Mm, mm, yeah. Okay, let's take one more question before moving on to the next one. And uh, this is from actually can we have that last question back from Jean, please? Can we? Thank you. Okay, so I know a few women in the congregation had problems, especially menopausal women, and was never given help especially covering mental health and told to go and get help. They were looked upon as weak. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I've, I've heard of that myself. Too. Yeah, there, there's this uh, stigma as well that if you go to uh, seek professional help from a counsellor or a therapist, that they're going to advise you to do things that are against uh, scriptural principles. And then that will be like the, the first step along to you know, leaving the organisation. Yeah, I'm not sure well, who. When you, when you think about it, the the elders are not qualified to counsel anyway. What they mm -hmm. should be doing in terms of duty of care is directing, signposting the brothers and sisters in need to mental health professionals. They mm -hmm. they don't do that because again, we've established that that's frowned upon. So what what is a, a witness what is a brother or sister supposed to do suffer in silence although although i've recently had a text message off an elder and um he actually said to me we're not we're, we're shepherds of the flock looking after the spiritual side if you're struggling with the, the pandemic um message samaritans 
which was interesting because I messaged him and said, I've, I've got no problem at the moment with my mental health to do with the pandemic. If anything's wrong with my mental health, it's to do with the way I'm treated. He completely ignored that, but then gave me advice about Samaritans, which when I, like seven years ago, when I got disfellowshipped, as I mentioned, what my dad had said and what an elder said to me. So I find it interesting that he's signposting me to a, a non-religious organisation, which when I was a witness, my dad always said Samaritans are religious, which is wow. lack of education. Yeah. Um, when, when I was when I got disfellowshipped and I actually discovered Samaritans are not religious, they're just there to help. Not yeah, only I, are they not religious, Samaritans, because I'm, I'm undergoing training with the Samaritans mm -hmm. right now, not only are they not religious, they're not supposed to tell anyone what to do. Exactly. The, yeah. only, the only time they're, they're supposed to intervene is if somebody's suicidal. They're there to listen. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, there's really no no reason not to speak to the Samaritans. And the yeah. same with counsellors. You know, if you're if a counsellor is a proper counsellor, they they are not meant to advise. No. It, it's not. That's not. That's not the the the, the job of a counsellor. So, what? Well, it's a massive lack of education in a lot of cases. It's just where have they found and, and and i do find it bizarre because it's a religion that calls itself the truth and yet there's so many truths about things that are not true <laughs> because yeah. they're, just made, they're just made up yeah that's why i don't call it the truth anymore can't i can't, yeah. that word can't pass my lips yeah exactly it's a really hard habit to get out of them <laughs> yeah it took me it took me a while took yeah a while. yeah Okay, let's move on to the next topic. But first, I just want to highlight some super chats. Thank you so much, Awake.com, for your super sticker. And from the Shunned Experience, thank you so much. Really appreciate that. And another one from the It's Is It Really So channel. Thank you so much. Uh, thanks, guys. Great conversation. Riley, you're doing such great work. Thank you so much. I really do appreciate that. And by the way, um, Is It Really So is a really great channel. <laughs> if you haven't subscribed to that channel, please go and do so. And also, please subscribe to The Shunt Experience, another great channel too. Okay, so let's move on to the next topic, which is sexual repression. <laughs> the elephant in the room. <laughs> <laughs> This is a big one. <laughs> it's, it's a huge one. It's an absolute huge one. And it's a problem for so many witnesses, if not all witnesses. I, I think it's fair to say all witnesses suffer from this in some way, shape or form. Married, single, gay, straight, it doesn't matter. It's something that, that affects everyone right across the board. Yeah, definitely. I think, I, it, it, me, for me, I could talk about this for the whole evening it, it, on my personal experience alone um like i with regards sexual expression obviously i've mentioned that i'm gay i knew that at the age of eight um i knew that i was attracted to guys at the age of eight but my parents would say that people that are gay are the same to Jehovah as paedophiles, are the same to Jehovah as people that practice bestiality. So how on earth was I meant to ever tell my parents that that I was attracted to guys when that's the connotation it was given? Mm -hmm. um, so I hid it for a long, long time. Well, until I was 25, until I got disfellowshipped. It was 
because I was too scared. And by the time my parents had got any form of understanding, and I mean a very small amount of understanding, my, I remember, for instance, my mum saying that she thinks the estrogen in milk might be something to do with why people are gay and there's more gay people now. <laughs> what? I yeah, I just remember her having Seriously. that. No, but the, the funny thing is, when she, wow. said to, when she said that to me, it was a relief because it was at least some kind of thought. Um, but by that time, I'd already, you know, met guys and I thought, I will be disfellowshipped. Um, so I hid it. And I, like, I, I hid that side. So I didn't want to be that person. I didn't want to lie. I didn't want to be dishonest. But I felt forced to. Um, and, I, and I think, I think that's, to be honest, I think that's the experience of many people who are, who are in the religion, who are straight or gay, that you, ha you, you hide. This is not just from my experience. I've spoke to other people. You hide those things. You do something wrong, um, even if it's masturbation, you, you, you feel guilty. Everything you do, any sexual thought you have, is bad, really, really bad, because that's mm. what is believed. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, two, two things on this. Um, first of all, I remember when I was like in my late teens um, in the congregation in, in London, I don't know. I'm sure you can. Res I'm sure this resonates. But and because I've I've seen other videos where people say the same thing. It wasn't a big deal for you guys when you were young to go ice skating because that was the only opportunity where you could go and have recreation with with your friends and you'd be allowed to hold hands like indiscriminately <laughs> because yeah. you had to because you'd fall over if you didn't hold hands yeah, with the brother yeah. that you that you fancied. <laughs> so, <laughs> So you'd make sure he was coming, that he was invited, and then you'd get on the you'd get on the mm. ice and wobble, and and be oh, can you help me? And then you'd be holding hands. <laughs> I'm, I'm like 19, and I'm I'm doing this like, I mean, this is this is I just just had a flashback to that that level of repression uh, is beyond me. And then also um, I saw a comment um, about the governing body having too much say in what married couples do. And going back to this interview I saw with the witness who went to couples school, I think it was, with his wife, one of the governing body who were doing, um, who were doing a class or doing a session wanted to talk about um, the sex um, lives of the couples, you know, how often they had sex, um, what the positions they, they were, they, you, they had sex in, um, and the reason why he the, he found this out because there was um, a Spanish school running alongside theirs and they were a little bit ahead and they went out one evening and a couple from that school said that we did this today, we talked about this today. So he knew it was coming and he said to his wife, if this is going to be discussed in, in, in class, I'm leaving that class. I'm, I refuse to um, disclose that. I think it's completely out of order and going too far. And the next couple of days it did come up and he refused to discuss it and it became a huge um, issue and eventually it was taken off the agenda. But to think that in a formal setting, not even to say like a shepherding call or something where there are issues, in a formal setting, uh, a brother can have that kind of such an intrusive conversation with a married couple uh, in a group, like a group of married couples. You're, you're having this conversations in front of everybody 
it just it, it blows my mind it really does um it's just so wrong so wrong yeah 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 i mean it um Ray Franz in uh, Crisis of Conscience spends a long time speaking about this. Uh, I can't remember what chapter in the book it is, but the intrusion into, you know, the bedrooms of Jehovah's Witnesses was just ridiculous. Yeah. It was ridiculous. And um, when they started saying that, you know, all sex was, was bad or uh, mutual masturbation was bad, and then they just got inundated with letters from, from witnesses who in all sorts of distress, uh, feeling guilty. Um, I remember there was one one example of of a man who um, was paralysed, so he couldn't have normal relations with his wife. Um, so the only way that he could, you know, satisfy his wife was through non, you know. <laughs> I'm trying to keep it PG thirteen. <laughs> Abby's <laughs> blushing. It's difficult. <laughs> no, it's my sweat. It's my sweatshirt. <laughs> but um, he, he he wrote into into the, the branch saying, now that they've made this you know rule for want of a better word, he, you know he feels his marriage is suffering, and he he fears that his wife is going to become dissatisfied with the marriage, dissatisfied with him and you know um go elsewhere you know it's just it's just it, crazy. it just baffles me because you don't realize it there's these little things when you're in the religion you, oh that's a bit weird that's a bit weird you, you you do see it but then you but then you're taught that this religion is guided by god if it's guided by god why is there so many mistakes changes of opinion because i know talking about that i think it's changed now where oral sex is okay based on the shepherd boy you know to be because there's a scripture that talks about being intoxicated by her breasts and all of that so based on that i, I did i did read something not long ago um mm. but then they they change things all the time and when it comes to these kind of personal issues like what right do they have to if if it's really god's organization where is it where is it in the bible that they need to say these things it's not it just isn't yeah absolutely what was astounding it, is, sorry no sorry you say, go ahead i was going to say what what was astounds me is how the, the the level of mind control that witnesses are under actually they feel that the first thing they need to do is divulge their personal very personal um business to people that have no business knowing what happens in their bedroom. You know, like you said, that when they when they made the made a rule and they were they were inundated with letters. I thought you were gonna say they were inundated with, with, with letters of people who were expressing uh, disagreement, saying, oh no, this 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 is out of order. But no, they were writing in to say, oh we've done this, we're sorry, or we've done yeah. this, we feel I mean the, the level of control is yeah it's 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 astounding. Mm -hmm. Mm. Or elders um, writing in to ask for advice on how they should deal with a couple who's confessed something to them. Yeah, there, 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 were, there was a lot of instances of that. Wow. Sorry. Like they say not to go beyond the things that are written. Mm. 
you know, it, it's crazy. I mean, um, what about sexual repression um, amongst young people, like, like teenagers? Actually, it's funny you should mention about the ice skating, um, Debbie, because <laughs> I remember seeing exactly the same thing. We, me and my circle of friends, we used to do exactly the same thing. We were always a stroke ice cream. <laughs> so, we were, ours was yeah. Queensway. Our hunting ground was Queensway. Right, right, right. Yeah, for us, it was... It was mastering, and it was for exactly the same reasons that you, that you said. You know, looking back now, it's because that allowed you some kind of, of freedom to be, you know, um, not 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 intimate, but no. over familiar. <laughs> with, with, but in, intimate with, was with holding hands. Way. That that was that was yeah. a way because it was such a you know big deal to us, yeah. and and also like walking. Being seen and um, seeing and being seen at conventions. Yes, yes. Yeah. You know, just Absolutely. walking around and making you know, making sure everybody sees you. That brother that might want to come and strike up a conversation. You know, you got to walk past him a few times. It's um, it's it it seems to to the world it would seem very innocent. Mm. Um, but within within us, it's it's a, there's a lot of anxiety around sex and around. Things that are actually very natural and normal yeah. in society yeah. are seen as really a big deal. And that in itself causes anxiety, which will lead to depression. Yeah. Yeah. Mental health yeah. issues. And a lot of and there's a lot of that, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Going back to the ice skating, I think I was at a disadvantage being gay. I didn't oh, <laughs> holding, yeah. a, sister's, yeah. holding yeah. a sister's hand did nothing for me. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, what um, what, what I've noticed as well is that businesses are so repressed, not just sexually, but in in every way you could possibly imagine. That whenever there is any small opportunity to let loose, many do go completely overboard, completely off the rails, and it, you know just end up acting crazy. Um, like um. You mentioned like the parading around at the conventions, <laughs> the and making sure that you're noticed. And you know, um, there, there was a pub that everybody used to go to um, after Twickenham called the Barmy Arms. And I'm telling you, the stuff that went on in there, it, it went so bad. They eventually ended up um, having a sign on the window saying "No Jehovah's Witnesses." Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Not for the reason of preaching. Shocking. <laughs> Why? Because they were drinking too much, or yeah, drinking and all sorts. It, After Twickenham, yeah. yeah, I'm, I'm scandalised by that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a throwback to my judgmental days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, they would end up behaving. I don't mean to, you know, stereotype, but they they would end up behaving worse than their depiction of what worldly people act like. You know, because you're just so repressed. You know, it's like holding a spring too tight. When you let it go, it just flies. It just yeah. flies out. And I, I think that's something that is an issue when it comes to alcohol and when it comes to any kind of interaction with the opposite sex as well. Mm. 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 Well, we used to have, um, I had a group of friends and um, some I'm sure are still in. I think a couple might be circuit overseers now. Um, and we were like youths in the congregation together and we used to have like little get-togethers and we would do this thing called the broom dance. Mm. 
Mm. And I'll tell you what the broom dance, the broom dances. Um, it was just an, it was an, uh, an, ex an excuse to dance with someone, basically. Um, you'd go up to someone, give them the broom, and that means you could dance. <laughs> <That means. laughs> and so at one of our houses, someone would play music and then we'd do the broom dance. And it, it was like, I think back and I think, wow, the lengths that we would go to just to yeah. do things that young people do quite innocently. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. To, to to think that you could like get in so much trouble if you were seen out in public with someone, you know, if, if an elder or an elder's wife, it was usually an elder's wife, because they were like the spies of the congregation. Or oh. if someone like that, you know, saw yes. you, you could literally get in trouble just because you're walking down the high street with a young sister or a young brother in your congregation. Because you was on your own with them. Because you were on your own with them, yeah. Mm -hmm. Let alone hold hands or do anything there's a lot, else. I think there's a lot of, and I don't know I was like it when I was a witness, which is ironic because I was leading a double life, but that's cognitive dissonance. Um, I, very judgmental, very judgmental of people, very. which is so funny because you don't think you are when you're a witness, you don't think you're judgmental. You think you're the least judgmental people on the planet. Mm. And actually, you're extremely judgmental of not just people who are outside of the religion, but people that are perceived to be not doing things correctly within the organisation. You know, someone gets reproved because they've done something sexual, or which is usually the case, that's usually what happened. You, you, you back off from them. You, mm. you don't have anything to do with them for a time until they've redeemed themselves. That's real, that's real judgment. Yeah. But it's so bizarre because I can remember my brain thinking like that, but I didn't think I was being judgmental. I just thought that that's the way it is. That's how we. That's yeah. how we prove we love Jehovah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I, you know, I thought the same way. I thought the same way. And you know, this will be a, a nice segue onto our next question. But witnesses tend to get married a lot younger than the general population. And being honest, the reason is, is because a lot of what young witnesses get married because they want to have sex. Oh, yeah. So you, you, you know, end up marrying the first person that you, you know, date. <laughs> Not that witnesses use that, that word. <laughs> oh, you know, you end up marrying the first person that you, that, you, that you have a relationship with just so that you can, you know, release your sexual tension. And then you find that you're completely incompatible. Uh, for, for me, it was it was equally that as well as the fact that I just wanted my own. I felt like being married, I would be able to be a bit more. I'd have more say in my life. Mm. You know, when you're living at home with with your mum, you just have to do everything the family's doing. Yeah, I, I thought that if I was married and and I didn't want to go on the ministry then I it was it was up to me because it's because it's me and my husband um yeah. so I felt if, for me it was more about freedom as well um but either way it's not a normal situation and we, which is exactly why so many marriages are unhappy and many end in divorce mm -hmm. prematurely or divorce right. anyway yeah and I you think are, the problem yeah. is sorry the, the problem is compounded as well by the advice, the marriage advice that comes from the society, 
well, or the governing body rather. Um, people can get married for the wrong reasons, but still end up, you know, loving each other and having uh, a, a good relationship if, if they get good advice. It is possible. It's not, you know, but the advice that, that comes from the organisation is, it's not really good marital advice. It's just, no. you know, do more in a ministry, read the Bible more, pray more. I mean, as if that's the cure all for every single problem, you know, in every area of life a proper person could possibly have. How old were you when you got married? Um, sorry, I Jack. Sorry? I was 21 when, when I got married. Okay, I was 21. Is, tw is 21 a thing? Because my sister got married at 21. <laughs> my sister was married at 21. Yeah. Four of my siblings got married at 21. What is that? And divorced at 28. Yeah. So I think, I think 21 is a thing, is, is yeah. that age. It sounds like it. It does, it does seem to come up quite often. I mean, I interviewed mm. uh, someone uh, last weekend and they were married at 21 as well. It, 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 it does seem like it's a thing. I've, I've never actually thought about that before. So young, isn't it? It's so it is very, very young. young. It's very young. You have no idea who you are at that age. No. And I was when I when I would when I divorced at twenty eight. I was a whole different person, mm -hmm. like completely different person. I hadn't I had changed so much, and yeah. you have to have that environment to grow and be allowed to be who you you know grow into yourself. The organization doesn't allow that and these early marriages to people who are incompatible also don't allow that and then you also have a lot of um depression in young young married couples yeah um, and infidelity of people just you know not coping at all yeah 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 absolutely um yeah so i think we should let's go on to the next uh subject but let's take some questions first Okay, so I think this question is for you, Jared. <laughs> Miss Fimu, would is... you still be a witness if you weren't gay? <laughs> Thank you, Vicky. <laughs> um, I, she, I, go, I go to uni with Vicky. Would I still be a witness? I think, I don't know whether I mentioned this to you guys yesterday or I, I've, I've spoke about it recently. I think I'd still be a witness if I wasn't gay. I don't know whether I'd have woken up while I was a witness and, and, and married or whatever, but... If I wasn't gay, yeah, I, I think I would still be a witness. Um, I, I, it's taken me a long, long time to get to the point where I am now. You know, I was this fellowship seven years ago, and for quite a few years, I was still going back and trying to get reinstated in my own kind of fashion, although I didn't really know how to do that because I was so struggling with my own sexuality. And it's only of late, really, in the last few months that I've kind of realised it isn't the truth, which is quite big. Mm. Uh, it's only a few years ago did I encourage somebody to go back. Um, so, I, and, and I think I kind of am glad in a way that I've had that experience because I know how that I can be a very understanding of people that can't just automatically wake up. Because it's not that easy. It is. It is not that easy. It, it's programmed into you, and it's like it is a real wakening up. Um, it, I, I've, I have a massive change over seven years, and it's been a very, very gradual change. But no, I, I do think that if I was not gay, I'd still be a witness. Hmm. Yeah. 
I mean, I, 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 although I haven't had exactly the same experience as you, as you um, I reckon that if I, if I didn't, if my marriage didn't break down, I probably would still be a witness as well. Because it, it was through having uh, marital problems and the way that the elders didn't help. That is the thing that started waking me up. Yeah. Because that, that's when I started to see the cracks in, yeah. you know, in some of the doctrine, um, the way the organization is run through the elder yeah. arrangement. And, you know, if that hadn't happened, I probably would still be a witness. For a long, long time, I just viewed it as imperfections. I was like, it's imperfections, it's imperfections. And then when, when you start really looking into the doctrine, the difference in doctrine that keeps changing, and then you actually listen to experience of, of other people, it, it, then you realise, actually, no, this is not just imperfections. This is a core... Diff there's, a, there's a core... Something, something at its core is wrong. Um, yeah. I was, for instance, when you just think about it, I got made a ministerial servant, not because I asked to be, um, because I got approached and I felt that like I couldn't say no because it'd be questioned at why I said no because I was seen as reaching out. I was seen as being this um, brother in the congregation that was on the ministry all the time, spoke to lots of the brothers and sisters. I was very approachable. I was scared. I was scared to say no, but then I became a, a ministerial servant. But if that was God's Holy Spirit that appointed me, God's Holy Spirit would have gone, alarm bells, you know, don't do it, don't do it. He's not. It, but, so God, they prayed on it. So what was the point? Exactly. 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 Um, any more questions or comments on this topic before we move on? Okay, the shunned experience. I remember when we studied the key discourse in God's love, in particular the section in the appendix on masturbation on a Thursday meeting and young children were exposed to this. Mm. Yeah, so that's a big thing. It, it, it never really occurred to me how inappropriate it was at the time. I mean, I had young children myself, um, but looking back now, I mean, there's there's no separation between adults and children at the meetings, and at the meetings they discuss absolutely anything, you know. I mean, really in depth about sexual matters and things that children really shouldn't be exposed to. But uh, that's, that's just the way it is, and it's just you know seem completely normal, but um, it's not really. But that just goes to show when you're indoctrinated, things that should ring alarm bells don't. <laughs> That's correct. That's right. Yeah. Okay, let's take uh, one more question before we move on. Any more? Okay. Oh, Sophia Serena, my good friend. My JW niece just got married three months ago, 20 years old. Yeah. That's not uncommon. I mean, I've heard, I've heard people as young as 17 getting married. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Shocking. Yeah. Okay. Um, there's some more super chats from Miss V Moon. Thank you very much. Really appreciate that. And Kimberly Black, thank you so much. Really appreciate that. Thank you. And that's it. Okay, so let's move on to the next topic, which is... Unhappy marriages. 
we've already um, kind of overlapped onto this already. Mm. So the amount of unhappy marriages in the organisation is just crazy. But the thing is, I mean, did you see um, um, Harrison's latest video where he was um, meet, where he met with the two elders yes. when he had his disassociation letter? Yeah. And do you remember one of them said, um, but look how much happier our families are than, than in the world. Yeah. That's something that all witnesses think is true, but the opposite is actually true. Yeah. The opposite is actually true. I think that the happy marriages in the organisation are in the minority. I think For some of the reasons that we've already discussed, like getting married for the wrong reasons. I think when you're a witness, you almost believe that, I know I, know I did, that, yeah, of course, all the marriages outside of the organisation are not going to be as happy as Jehovah's Witnesses. Of course, all the marriages in Jehovah's Witnesses are going to be happier because they've got Jehovah. And then when you kind of get older and then you realise and you speak to people and you realise that isn't the case. And where where did that information come from? Where it's, mm. it's said as gospel. That is the thing within Jehovah's Witnesses. There's things that are said as gospel that you... I don't know, well, this is my experience anyway, as you grow up as a witness, these things are not questioned. <laughs> and, and like, I'm at university right now, and it teaches critical thinking. It teaches mm -hmm. to look at the right references um, to make sure it's a reliable source. There's none of that when you're a Jehovah's Witness. You just yeah. believe what's being told to you. Don't question it. Um, if you do question it, then you you can get into trouble. You know, you, you can be called an apostate because you question, you know, if you was to ever say anything like that, like to say, oh, I don't think that Jehovah's Witnesses marriages are, are very good. And I think actually probably better marriages outside of the organisation. It's not something you would say because it, you would. So because that conversation is not even allowed to be had, you never think. And it, it's not discussed because going back to the whole, you're just busy but you can't have those kind of deep conversations about things like that because anything yeah. that's going to be critical of the organization or anything like that just can't be talked about. Yeah. Um, yeah. I had an unhappy marriage and I remember that what I found was that before you got married, marriage was sort of seen as this nirvana it's like that's why so many want to get married because it like it looks like all these marriages are so lovely and you, you you see young couples holding hands in the meetings and you think oh I can't hold hands of anybody and they're holding hands and they're you know so people get married with this false idea that marriage is amazing and these unhappy marriages no one knows they're unhappy people don't talk about anything openly so a lot of the unhappy marriages are behind closed doors and so there's that misinformation, there's that unrealistic expectation um, going in. And then the rude awakening when you do encounter problems and then no idea of how to deal with them because there's no counselling apart from shepherding calls. You can't do marriage counselling. You read the marriage book or you, you, you call the elders. Um, there's, there's that. And then there's also the, the fact that a lot of people who are un, in unhappy um, situations they tend to um, resort to this this thing that I saw a lot of in Belgium especially where 
they just develop crushes. You're mm. married and you have a crush on someone else's husband. You're not going to flirt or do anything, but you, that's kind of like, oh, you want to go to the meetings because that brother's going to be on the platform and then you can, you can, you can stare at him and it's fine. And, you know, so people, they create these coping, these coping, um, means to get through these yeah. situations of of unhappiness which they see no end of because because you can't divorce you're stuck exactly yeah exactly absolutely absolutely yeah yeah i mean um i think that the, the root core of the problem is this um notion that the bible is an instruction manual for life for every area of your life there's a scripture for it so to live a happy life, regardless of what area of life you're speaking about, all you need is the Bible and yeah. everything will be fine. And it just doesn't work out like that. I mean, the Bible does contain, of course, a lot of helpful and true principles, but to rely on that solely as a means for living a happy and fulfilling life, it just, it fundamentally doesn't work. So unrealistic as well. Yeah. It's a book that was written. You know, it's so unrealistic. It's not a manual for, for marriage today in these no. modern times. It absolutely isn't. So no. how is it supposed to be that be the you know, be all and end all? Can't be, can it? Exactly. I mean, I remember um having a conversation with an elder and um, you know, I was seeking advice from him because I felt that I was incompatible, you know, that my wife and I weren't compatible with each other and that was the root cause of a lot of our problems. And um he said to me that the idea of compatibility is a worldly idea. He said, I'm not thinking like a spiritual person by wanting to be compatible with my partner, with my, with my wife. He said that as long as two, two, any two people can get married and have a happy marriage as long as they both follow scriptural principles. And I was just completely blown away by this. So I said to him, okay, so there was a sister in our congregation at the time. She was an East German sister and she was in her 90s. I said to him, so that means that me and that sister, her name was Liberty. I said, so me and Liberty could get married, right? And as long as we both follow Bible principles, everything will be fine and we'll be perfectly happy. Me, a 22-year-old and her, an East German woman in her 90s. And he says, yes, in theory, yes. Those were his exact words. <laughs> I think it comes back as well to that. It's crazy, isn't it? I it think is. it comes back to the whole thing of, well, the new system's going to be here and it's all going to be um, fine. You know, God, God will make us all perfect. It's because we're imperfect. We've got these imperfect marriages. So, of course, that's going to happen. And we're living in an imperfect world that's run by Satan. Satan is going to be attacking your marriages. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, 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 it it's kind of like another it's almost like another persecution complex because your marriage yeah. is bad that's because we're in satan's world and it it kind of like relating it back to me like because i'm gay and, and my my dad was like you just need to live kind of like 70 years in this system and then in a new system you'll you'll be able to not be gay and and so live a whole lifetime celibate um as like a, a monk it's just it it just 
doesn't make sense and it 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 just doesn't make sense does it no no it doesn't it's quite inhumane if you think about it i mean very in terms of, in just in terms of human rights you, you should be able to you know live your most authentic life at the very mm -hmm. least you know mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah exactly and i think um the advice that they give to people who are seeking a a, a marriage mate as well is just awful it's nothing about how you're going to relate to each other or how you're going to get along with each other. It's all about how well that person serves the organization. If that person serves the organization well, then they'll make a good marriage partner. It's yeah, just completely unrealistic and ridiculous advice. If they love Jehovah, then, you know, how they love Jehovah is how much they're going to love you is, is kind of how it... Yeah. But then that's... How, how is anyone going to know what's actually inside of somebody internally by their outward of, of what they're doing? Exactly. Now, apparently, I was desirable to lots of sisters because I was a minister, a servant, a pioneer. I was living a double life. I was, I'm, I'm gay. Like, that makes no difference. You, you no. can portray something. And I think that is the thing with Jehovah's Witnesses. It is very much about what's portrayed on the outside, what, what's yeah. seen. You know, yeah. you know, the, the, the terminology used a lot is that's a bad witness or that's a good witness or and it's all about a facade. It's not real. Yeah. 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 Not at all. I mean, I've, I've, I've said this many times on my channel before that what witnesses um, define as spirituality isn't really spirituality. It's being religious. It's all about outward appearances what you do as a ritual or a routine. It's got nothing to do with what's inside of you or how you you know, feel emotionally towards the God that you're serving. It's all about works, what you're doing, yeah. which is typical of any business, really, when you think about it, business, you know, what are they concerned about when it comes to their employees? They're concerned about how, how productive their employees are. Output. Yeah. Output, exactly. Mm -hmm. But all of these things, they're just output. They're just, you know, they're just performances and works. It's got nothing to do with the person inside. And, you know, since I've, you know, um, become an activist, I'm in contact with many, many people who don't even believe Jehovah is real. But they're on the ministry, they're commenting at meetings, they're, you know, um, <laughs> conducting Bible studies and all of these different things, but they don't even believe in Jehovah. But yeah, wow. technically, they're a desirable marriage mate. <laughs> wow. Just because they're doing all of those things and ticking those boxes. That's crazy. Which is so interesting. So it's, it's little I'm thinking about why so many marriages are unhappy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry, go on, Jared. Sorry, no, I was just thinking about what you were just saying then. Because when you, I don't know whether you had this kind of experience, you, you go on the ministry and meet a vicar or whatever, and you, the, the opinion I have is, oh, they're getting paid for that. They're getting paid for that job. They don't, you don't actually believe it. You know, it's yeah. very rare there's a vicar that believes in in the religion. I, I have that many times conversations with with brothers and sisters that have been like, oh, I've met so many people in the ministry, like vicars that that don't actually believe it. But what you've just said there is is ringing true. Yeah, the reason that there's so many people in the organisation is because they're locked in. They're, yeah. They've got no escape, and I know this personally of people that are still in the organization and they're pimo but they're in it for the family it's far more common than 
than the average Jehovah's Witness would even think because nobody talks yeah. about it. Because if they were to say, I don't believe it anymore, they would get disfellowship. They would. Exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Fun, funny you should say that. That's a, that's a really good point. I, I'm, I'm willing to bet that there are more, more Jehovah's Witnesses who do all the things, attending meetings and, and all of that, but don't believe in Jehovah than there are people who go to church without believing. I reckon proportionally there's much, much more. Because mm -hmm. in, you know, the quote-unquote world, if you don't believe in God, you can just stop going to church and everything will be fine. Yeah. But it's not like that with witnesses. You don't lose friends and family. No, you don't. You don't lose friends and family for, for stopping going to church. Mm. So there's nothing holding you in there if you don't believe. But with witnesses, it's completely the opposite way around. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so um, can we have some questions, please, on this topic of unhappy marriages? Thank you. Laura Charlton, what support is there if you're unhappy in the marriage but you feel forced to stay? None, None basically. Being honest. None. Inside, None. inside. If you're in, if you're you in still, none. Yeah. No, no elder will force you to stay in an unhappy marriage. You know, if you do, if you do go, you can, but there will be consequences, you know. If, you could if somebody... Yeah, sorry. Yeah, you could be marked. I know, yeah. you know, I remember actually the first, I, I didn't know what marking was. The first um, time I heard of someone being marked, it was because she separated from her husband without scriptural grounds, which are um, adultery, um, what is, um, uh, extreme violence. abuse. Extreme violence, yeah. Yeah, um, willful non-support. So like say if you're um I think that only really that only applies to husbands, it doesn't apply to wives. So like if your husband refuses to work, you know, willfully refuses to work, you can separate under those grounds. And what was the other one? I'm sure there was four. Oh, spiritual endangerment. So, so if you're even if you separate from, from yeah. sorry, even if you separate, sorry to interrupt, even if you separate from your partner for any of those reasons. You can't remarry. You can't. You're no, not. Divorced. No, 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 no. You can't. So divorce. basically, you're That's just in limbo. You're just, you're just not yeah, exactly. with the person. But you can't actually. Exactly. So you'd you rather can, be alone. You can separate for those reasons, but you can't divorce for those reasons. So, if you choose to separate for one of those reasons, the last one being spiritual endangerment, if your yeah. spouse is threatening your spirituality, like if they're an apostate, for example, um, you have right. to remain married to them. And even if you do divorce, you can't remarry. And if you do, if you do divorce, it is it is viewed as I don't think I don't think you can get disfellowship for it. You can't get disfellowship for it. But no. if you then remarry, you will get disfellowship. You will get disfellowship. I, I do I do know of people that did get remarried, and and the kind of in that situation, and the opinions that that brothers and sisters used to have on them was was negative, um, very negative. But yeah, it's it's almost like as well when, when you see that a married couple don't doesn't get on well, yet they're striving to stay together, it's almost like, oh well done, that's really good. That's that's good, that's a good thing. Yeah, exactly. yeah. That's when you'll get your happiness. But you can see how unhappy they are. And we're yeah, talking I mean, I'm we're talking I'm talking marriages that are like fifty years long or more. 
and they've been struggling all their lives because they believe in what they're doing is what they've got to do for God's approval. Right. And many of them are on Prozac just to cope, just to get through the day and get through yeah. that life. Yeah. It's funny you should, you should bring that up because, um, Earlier on in the week, I've done a little bit of research about uh, mental health within the organisation and I found a study. I'm just going to see if I can bring it up on the screen. Just bear with me. Uh, where is it? Okay, here. Okay, so I found this study. It's quite an old study. I couldn't find one that was newer, but this was conducted in the 70s. And there are some really, really frightening statistics here about mental health within the organization. Um, this one, for example, the, the rate of schizophrenia is 0.38 for the population compared to point, sorry, 1.4 for the JWs. That's according to these figures. Yeah. Wow. Thus, according to these figures, the incidence of schizophrenia among the witnesses is about three times as high as for the rest of the population, and paranoid schizophrenia is about four times as high. Well, how do they get these data, though, if the witnesses yeah. are not encouraged to yeah. go and be diagnosed? That must be the tip mm -hmm. of the iceberg. Yeah, they got this data from, from witnesses who were either hospitalised due to their mental illness or were having counselling due to their mental illness, and on the form they disclosed their religion. That's well, got to be the tip of the iceberg. The tip of the iceberg. Must yeah. be. It's got to be. Yeah. It's so much worse than that. That's alarming. There are so many witnesses who don't seek professional help. Oh, so no. If the majority. The ones that have, it's going to be so much higher. That's right. That's shocking, actually. It is shocking. That is shocking. Wow. Yeah, and um, that needs, leads nicely onto our next topic, uh, which is conspiracy theories. <laughs> Talk about the paranoid schizophrenia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't know if you guys have noticed this as well, but um, I certainly have noticed that it is more than common for former witnesses to, to fall into this rabbit hole of, of really strongly believing in conspiracy theories. Um, have either of you guys noticed um, that? I can't say I have had too much interaction with this. I, I'm no. going to defer. I've had a lot. I'm relating it to kind of when you're a Jehovah's Witness, there's so many unanswered questions that lots of things get made up um, where it's like, well, this must be, this must have happened for this to happen and that we don't know the answers. There's so many unanswered questions. So I wonder if that's why quite a lot of people do fall into this category of, of believing in conspiracy theories when they leave the religion because they're used to questioning things that have got no answer. So for instance, even like when you're a witness, the subject of dinosaurs. I, and I remember my mum saying, well, God would have used the dinosaurs to flatten the earth. 
Mm, I've heard that. Prepare it to prepare it for us, and I don't know whether that was from an article that she'd read or whether that was from her own, her own mind. But it's like there's so for a religion that when you're in it, you believe it's got all of the answers. There's so many unanswered questions. Yeah, that's true. I I, I think that really when you when you analyse uh, witness theology, it sounds like a conspiracy theory. <laughs> you know, you've got this great big evil entity behind the scenes of the world, you know, controlling all the world's governments and all the political leaders like puppets. Yeah, you've got the UN secretly plotting to destroy religion. And then you've got this small group of people who are in the minority who know the answer to everything. They know why everything is happening. And, the, 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 you know, they, they, they are, um, they possess this secret knowledge that the rest of the world doesn't have. Yes. And because of this knowledge that they have, they're persecuted. I mean, that literally sounds like a conspiracy theory. That's like a conspiracy it theory does. blueprint. Does. So I think simply by virtue of being a witness, you're primed to being susceptible to these things once mm. you leave. Mm. Oh, yeah. Um, and even, we're yeah. supposed to be the ones that see behind the curtain. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it, even the, the, the whole thing of God's going to bring Armageddon and going to kill everybody and we are going to be the only survivors and we're going to clean up the bodies yeah like that in itself when you repeat that to people who have not had any experience of jehovah's witnesses it's ludicrous it sounds crazy absolutely and and it sounds very self-indulgent as well and yeah very, absolutely very like yeah like how is that how's that like loving to to, to mm -hmm. believe it, it it to believe everyone's gonna die but you and that that is a, a loving thing that god's doing it mm -hmm. just it's a mass genocide um i've mm -hmm. had this conversation recently i know i'm completely diverting off the conspiracy theories but like i've had this conversation recently with like my cousin and and talking about her her daughter like she's just had a baby so what happens at armageddon then does do, do they does the baby get killed or, or does the baby survive and then be left without its parents either of them is is evil and, and mm -hmm. it is evil it's not it's not it's not oh that's not nice it's actually an evil belief mm. that that's going to happen yeah yeah it is absolutely i mean and when you're a witness you actually think you actually think that you're humble but you're not witnesses inherently are very very arrogant because they think they have the answers to everything they think they mm. know the reasons why every single thing happens in the world and that makes them quite arrogant and it, you know they have this air, air the, the religion itself has this air of self-importance that is very very similar to delusions of grandeur which is actually a, a, a you know a mental health disorder where somebody you know thinks too much of themselves or they they inflate their own importance in the in the context of the wider world and i think that witnesses really really do that a lot you know um, i'm not sure if you've seen the most recent um video about armageddon and how armageddon is going to happen and there's this um illustration of all of these like they look like generals or politicians and they're in like a war room yeah, I've seen it. You know, on the telephone and you know plotting about how they're going to take out the witnesses <laughs> The world governments couldn't care less about witnesses. You know, witnesses really think that they're that important 
that you've got, you know, generals in a bunker somewhere, you know, <laughs> deciding how they're going to take them all out. I mean, it's, it's just crazy. I mean, as, as an activist, I know how difficult it is to draw the attention of, of like the media to the issues of, you know, the harmful practices that, that, that witnesses do. Because the wider world in general just doesn't care about witnesses or what they're doing. But witnesses feel that they're so important and so central to, to world events. And it, it you know, it, it doesn't surprise me why they have this conspiracy theory mentality. And I think going going back to kind of the mental health side, it, when you are a Jehovah's Witness and you have this belief system that the end is coming, but I think that's an, another reason not to get help almost because, mm. well, God's going to fix me. Any any problems I've got now, God's going to fix me. So there's actually kind of no need to try and find help to, to deal with my issues. Yeah. Oh, yes, I had an awful upbringing, but let's forget about that because God's going to sort that out. And almost I wonder, and, I, and I'm, I'm speculating here, whether some witnesses might have the mentality with regards getting help, whether that actually is going against the fact that God is going to help them and, and, and feel a disloyalty to him almost because they're seeking out help when the person instead that... Of waiting on Jehovah. Yeah, instead of waiting exactly. on Jehovah. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. these are sincere people. You know, lots and lots of witnesses are so sincere. They believe it. And they're absolutely lovely people. Just like there is a kind of horrible people in, in the, the world outside of witnesses. And there's lovely people. There's so many sincere people and I, I feel so, so sorry for so many people because they're trapped and they don't realise it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think another thing, another part of the uh, doctrine that lends itself to being, you know, conspiracy minded is the, the idea that the Bible contains hidden secret messages that you have to try and work out and you can only decipher these things if you know jehovah reveals it to you you know this whole esoteric esoteric you know um side of the organization you know i mean i've 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 literally spoken to people who believe in that whole q conspiracy thing and there are a lot of similarities between what they believe and some of the things that witnesses believe about, you know, the end times and, and you know, working out Bible prophecies and signs and codes, like the whole 607 BCE thing, you know, how they arrive at 1914 from that. I, mean, I, am, I understand how, I understand it, I can explain it, but that doesn't make it not ridiculous, <laughs> you know take a scripture from here, multiply it by a scripture from there that's got nothing to do with that scripture over there, you know, add 2,520 years and Bob's your uncle 1914. I mean, <laughs> I think it, I think it works for quite a lot of people because when, and I know talking to people who have kind of left or are questioning now and myself, I'm looking back to conversations I had with my mum it was almost like these prophecies don't really matter. It's fine because it doesn't matter. Let's just mm. think about Jehovah. That, that's all that's we're right. focused on. Um, if they get it wrong, they get it wrong. It's fine. But actually, the, the ironic thing is, 
you, you, they ignore all of those things. But yet when it comes to things like shunning, it's mm. still applied because they genuinely believe that is from Jehovah. That That is Jehovah's... The organisation's not telling us to do that. It's Jehovah. But the funny thing is, if the organisation was to make a U-turn and say, actually, this is wrong, we're not doing it anymore. Shunning doesn't... I mean, it's not going to happen. How many Jehovah's Witnesses are going to go against that? How many Jehovah's yeah. Witnesses are going to go, actually, no, because I'm reading my Bible. It says this. That... The, you know what yeah, they, they, they don't because that would not be the sheep like mentality. Exactly, they don't. They don't. They will think actually. Well, I'm, I, I'm trusting in my own knowledge, trusting my own heart, and I should be trusting Jehovah. And to trust Jehovah, I trust these eight men in New York. But yet there is a, there's a massive level of cognitive dissonance here. I remember speaking to my mum, and, and she was like, "Why are all the why are all the governing body white? Why are they all in America? I don't understand that." Um, and it, it, she's like, I don't, I don't want to watch W broadcasting because I don't really like it. Um, I don't know where she's at with that now because obviously a lot of the information's coming through there. But that level of cognitive dissonance mm. is there, where they the, the the question there is questioning, but then not not enough to actually find answers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, true. True. So other, yeah, so they're still they're still mentally in in a sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But they're like least... half mentally in and half mentally out, and then physically they're they're still in. So it's it's a difficult one to, to see any kind of really discernible action because they're just gonna stay where they are and have mm. these half doubts. Because mm. they yeah. believe I mean, I've had this conversation with somebody that has gone back now. And it was like, well, if this isn't the truth, what is? Mm. And the bizarre thing is, Jehovah's Witnesses are the organisation that has, that has taught us that there is a truth and that there has to be a truth. That there doesn't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it doesn't have to be a truth. And, doesn't and have I to said, be true. No. no. And, I, and I said, because the reason that she kind of went back was because her dad had sent her a message about, Donald Trump out of out of everyone um, announcing will that there'll be uh, peace and security. Yeah. And it, I had this phone call. It, it's happening. We need to go back. We need to go back. And I'm like, yeah. yeah. And at that yeah. time, I was kind of still like, mm. and I was like, that wouldn't be my my trigger to go back. And and just because it's the best of a bad bunch, I don't think that's a reason to go back either, because. It's that organize. It's so bizarre because it is that organization that teaches it is the truth, and I think that that plays a massive part. The fact that it's called the truth. Mm. You know, you, you introduce yourself to somebody. How long have you been in the truth? How did you get the truth? The and 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 then how can you question it because you have embedded it in your brain with every conversation that you have that it is the truth. Yeah, that's the level of mind control that we're dealing with. Extreme it's, it's, it's a high control group. It is, it is. a better word, uh, mm -hmm. and that's one of the that's one of the ways it exhibits that control. You don't. Yeah. You're on autopilot. Yeah. And the minute you start um, to question things, it's, it, 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 the house of cards. Yeah. Just just picking up on what you said um, earlier, Jared, about um, your friend who said, "Oh, it's happening. We've got to go back. We've got to go back." There is a definite 
persecution complex in the religion. Oh, this yeah. is it. A persecution complex is built into the religion. You know, as a witness, you're, 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 you think that everyone's plotting against you. You know, that the UN is trying to take out the witnesses and, you know, the world governments are gradually turning more and more against the witnesses. And when the Great Tribulation comes, we're all going to be, you know, arrested and forced to divulge the name of the elders, you know, under threat of torture and all things like this. I, I, I literally grew up with, with these, you know, this rhetoric, you know, and, and, and yeah. persecution complex is, is, is something, you know, pe that a lot of people with mental health issues suffer with, you know, believing that um, people are watching them or oh, their houses yeah. bugged yeah. or, you know, um, things like that. So I definitely think that, that that lends itself to that type of mental illness going going forward, whether you're, you stay in the religion or you come out of it. If you have to still have that same mindset, oh, yeah. that same way of thinking. And the bizarre thing is, even us having this conversation today, would to any Jehovah's Witness, if they knew about it, even the title of it, they would be like ex Jehovah's Witness. It would be another form of persecution. It's not actually yeah. no, we're having a discussion about our experience, because that's what it is. You know, yeah. why why are we not allowed to have that? It would be viewed as that is Satan. And and I, and I spoke about this recently. When you're a Jehovah's Witness, you are encouraged not to have doubts in the religion, but, you are, but you're encouraged that other people doubt it in the ministry. So you meet somebody of another faith and they start to say to you, do you know what? Since you've come to see me, I've started having doubts about my religion. Well, as a Jehovah's Witness, you'd be like, oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah. Have yeah, doubts. Yeah. You know, it's good to question. It's good to question. But when yeah. you're a Jehovah's Witness, you can't do that. And it's so, and that again, and I'm using that word again, but that is extreme cognitive dissonance mm -hmm. because you're actually almost on the edge of the cliff looking at the truth of actually what, what's going on, but completely not seeing it yep. at yeah. all. Because you're, yeah. you're faced with somebody, question it, question your faith. It's good to question. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's, 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 a, it's a trait of narcissism as well. Yeah. And this is a very narcissistic organisation that, that promotes Absolutely. that kind of, of thinking amongst its members because narcissists lack self-awareness, absolutely lack self-awareness. So they will yeah. say, they, they will, you know, counsel or reprimand somebody for something and in the very next sentence do that same thing themselves and think nothing of it because they don't have that self-awareness to analyse their own um, thoughts, actions you know and and behavior and and judge those in the same way as they judge other people yeah. they, they can narcissists are completely incapable of doing that and it's and it's funny because we, we mentioned it being called the truth it, it, it's not it's not that they want to know what the truth is they want to know that they've got the truth that it is the truth and that's not actually wanting to know what real truth is it, it's being convinced that what you've got is correct and because it's comfortable. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. It allows for the superiority complex. Massively. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, did you guys um, follow the um, presidential election in January? Sorry, in November? Partly. Yeah. I, I did. I, I watched it with, with keen interest. So, yes. And. Um, the actual inauguration as well, because there, I'm not sure how familiar you are with this, but this whole QAnon thing, they were saying that 
that Joe Biden would never actually be inaugurated, right? It, it wasn't going to happen. Um, Trump was going to say some code word or something, and then everybody would get arrested who wasn't on Trump's side or oh. some something ridiculous like that. I didn't know so there conspiracy theories here. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 what they that's what they were saying, and um, what was I lost my train of thought? What was the point I was going to make? Sorry, I've lost my train of thought. It will come back to me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I remember now. I remember. So that's what they were saying was was gonna happen, and when I heard some of the things that these these conspiracy theorists were saying, it just struck me as how is this any different from all of the signs starting from the Great Tribulation up to Armageddon that witnesses are waiting for? It's exactly the same. They're, they're, they're waiting for these signs and these things to happen in, in a specific order mm -hmm. that will signal the end of the world. And there, were, there was just so many parallels to me in that, you know. And um, on the day when Joe, Joe Biden's inauguration, when he was actually signing the whatever it's called, there were people saying there, there's some significance in that community with the number 17. Please, I have no idea why. I think maybe because Q is the 17th letter of the alphabet, but there was some significance with the number 17. And there happened to be 17 flags behind Joe Biden as he was signing this thing. So all the Q people were saying, oh, there's 17 flags, it's a sign, it's a sign. That's exactly how witnesses behave whenever they hear somebody say piece of security. It's a sign, it's a sign, you know? And how is that any different from, you know, counting 70 years from the destruction of Jerusalem and then multiplying it by time, times and half a time and all of that. I mean, it's, it's, it's all the same. And I think this, that mentality, that mindset is, is ripe and ready for affecting our mental health. Because mm -hmm. like you said, you're there on the precipice looking, looking over, you're always anxious, you're always expecting, you're always expectant of the end of the world and massive destruction. Yeah. That's, not, that, that, that's not a mindset that's healthy and that could promote peace, inner mm -hmm. peace. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really not surprising that so many witnesses suffer from mental health issues and that's such a high rate mm -hmm. of uh, schizophrenia, etc. And then yeah. you've got on the, the flip side, you've got people that leave the organization and still believe the doctrine because they're mentally still in and are fearful of Armageddon and are fearful of what's going to happen to them. Like my friend, you know, that that has a massive impact on them. And and then, you know, you, you live your life as a Jehovah's Witness believing that you're going to live forever. So and I know I had this mentality. I'm, I'm, I wasn't investing in myself. Because why would I invest in myself when I'm going to live forever? You know, it, that mentality. So it makes sense. Yeah, don't go to university. Don't do that. No, because it's Satan's mm. system going down and we're going to live forever. And then when you come out of that and realise actually you've wasted a lot of your life, like I have, it's almost like you're having to learn how to be a, a human, how to live in the real world. Like when you've been in this i don't know how to describe it i, I don't know if it, i was going to say tardis i don't know if that's the right word but when <laughs> parallel you're in, universe yeah just like yeah 
where you, you your thinking is completely out of whack and you have to recalibrate your brain. I don't know my experience anyway, massively recalibrate everything. And even now, as days go back, like every pretty much every week, I'm like, oh, wow. Oh, that's as a result of that. How, how did I not see that? And it's like it's like slowly unraveling, but it, it's a long process. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I hear you on that. I had to physically, I mean, I, I moved abroad for a long time and that removal physically into an environment that had nothing to do with my upbringing and the, the witnesses or anything really gave me the, the ability to distance myself mentally from it a lot quicker and a lot more completely than had I stayed in the same environment, lived in the same neighbourhood and been seeing the same people. I literally didn't see anybody. I've not seen anybody from the witnesses for the best part of 25 years from my congregation. And that's, that's really been invaluable to me. But I know uh, for many, it's not, it's not the normal. You'll bump into mm -hmm. people on the ministry or you, you'll just see people that you grew up with and they just turn their back. That must be incredibly difficult. Yeah. It has some yeah. power. Even like um, I, I had a chat with my auntie the other, the other week and she never was baptised. She never really, you know, she, she went out of the religion, stopped going to any kind of meetings. She was kind of went and stuff. But she's got things now even to do with like the blood issue where she wouldn't have blood. She, it, 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 the impact it has, and, it, and I'm not saying it in a critical way, of it, but it's just the impact it's had on on so many people where they'll keep little things like where it celebrate Christmas, where it celebrate birthdays, mm. but yet they're not in the religion. And, and it's, I don't mm. know what, what the reason is for it, but it just has a hold and um, they might do lots of other things, but there's certain things they won't do because it's not what they was brought up to do and it it's uncomfortable and mm. bizarre yeah 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 it's 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 mind manipulation yeah really and it, it's not something that's easy to let go of textbook you know yeah exactly and i, I don't think that you ever can completely 100 percent. i mean this is one of the, the mental health struggles i had um um after i left the organization and it was trying to find my identity, trying to, you know, develop an identity of my own. And excuse me, there were some times, some days when I woke up and I was, I literally did not know who I was. And when I looked at parts of my personality, I couldn't see where, where I, where the Jehovah's Witness ended and where I started. It was like, there was so much overlap. It was like trying to, trying to um, determine which parts of my personality were, were me, the, the real me, and which parts were the JW me. It was something extremely difficult. And I don't think it's something that I'll ever be able to, to you know, decipher or, or unpick completely 100%. Mm -hmm. You know, there are some parts of me that will always be like that, that are definitely from the JW me. Yeah. You know. Even even sitting here with you guys now, there's a tinge of guilt somewhere in me of should I be doing this? And I know that that's not right, but it's there. And I'm being honest because that's the kind of control it has. And yeah. going back to like what you've just said, Riley, that 
you don't know who you are and and because your whole identity is wrapped up in the religion and anything good and we talked about this yesterday didn't we anything yeah. good that you do or any kind of praise you get you just attribute it to jehovah you just go well it's jehovah it's jehovah it's jehovah because you that's that's viewed as humility that yeah. is to be you're not even supposed to say thank you when someone compliments you on your talk <laughs> you're not <laughs> are you you know no, if you do a good talk and someone compliments you on your talk, you're not even supposed to accept the credit for that. You're supposed to I, direct to Jehovah. I know that. that. Yeah, you do. Yeah. You, I remember that. No, because I, I was a ministerial servant. That is, that is, I, that is, I'd forgotten that. Yeah. yeah. You direct it to Jehovah. No, no, don't thank me. It's it's Jehovah. And yeah. I'm just Jehovah's tool. And, and is that, that the script? I didn't, I must have missed yeah. that. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's brought back memories. It's <laughs> <laughs> crazy. So let's let's take some questions. Are there any questions on this topic of conspiracy theories? Laura Charlton, a witness told my daughter that every time she blows candles out for her birthday, Satan gets one step closer to her. This really scared her. She was only 10 at the time. That is all I do now. Yeah. Once in a while, I'll still have, I'll still have them. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, Any more? Thank you. Uh, Jexit, I was warned time and again that stuff I bought in charity shops were the reason I had depression. The demons like to hold onto clothing. Yeah, we all heard that. Don't buy anything secondhand. Yeah, don't buy anything secondhand. I, I actually remember there was there was one time where the, my when I was a kid, my whole family was down with the flu. We didn't all have it at the same time. We had it like one after the other, but there were some that had it at the same time as others. I mean, there was five of us. And um, I remember being at the meeting. So I, I think I was the first person to recover. So a brother gave me a lift to the meeting and everyone else stayed at home. And on the way home, when he was dropping me home, he said to me, does your family buy anything from secondhand shops? And the, the implication was that the reason we were all sick could possibly be because we both suffered from a secondhand shop and we'd all gotten sick as a result of demons. Not that, you know, we one person had the flu and because we all live in close proximity, we all, you know, flu is contagious, that we all got it. No, not that. It was because my parents bought something in a secondhand shop. <laughs> this is bizarre. He, he actually asked me that. He actually asked me that. I didn't get what he was, I think what he was implying at the time, because I mean, I was just a small kid. But when I got home, I told my mum, and she knew exactly what he was getting at. And then she told my dad, and then my dad went and had a word with him. He wasn't, he wasn't best pleased, let's put it that way. I wonder if, because we know, I mean, I'm up north, and we always used to shop at charity shops. And I remember my mum, because she, she used to go shopping at charity shops that were run by religious organisations and would say, don't tell anyone we shop here, but it doesn't matter because they're cheap clothes. <laughs> um, but the, I, I understand that it would be, if there was anything kind of that we brought from a charity shop and then there was like a feeling of demons or mm. that somebody gave us, because we had that experience before where somebody gave us stuff and we, I, I was little, so I don't quite remember, but that there was some kind of demons and we got rid of this item that was given us 
and then that stopped. So the whole, yeah, the mentality of secondhand things, because the demons hold on to, like, things, don't they, apparently? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I, it's just making me laugh the whole, because, I, I mean, we use chocolate charity shops all of the time. Funny how do. it doesn't apply to houses or cars, though. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that's strange. That's a strange one, isn't it? It's, it's only clothes or books or jewelry. It's never mm. a house or a car, you know, which people buy secondhand all the time. Yeah, yeah. You've never heard that experience, have you? Or I've just bought yeah. this secondhand car and I think it's possessed. No, no. so much is driven by fear. Also, I mean, you yeah. know, the majority of things are, are driven are driven by fear especially when you're young and, you know, young children, um, frightened of Satan, Satan the devil, the, the boogeyman. It, mm. It's just a climate of fear. Oh, yeah, it's... massively. Going back to that, I, I don't know whether you, you, you two kind of had this kind of thought mentality at any point, but I was so scared to even leave the religion because I thought I would become a drug addict, an alcoholic, um, a prostitute or something like that because how on earth can you leave the truth and then mm -hmm. be able to live because like the teaching is that once you're out of there once you've known Jehovah and you've turned your back on him Satan's going to be right on you more than ever, right. ever That's right. um, and so yeah. going back to that that mentality when I was realizing I was gay and, and, and not wanting to talk about it genuinely thought I could end up homeless because I, I thought that's what happens you know you get told that when people get disfellowship they become like this and you you're given examples of look at him he's become like this because he's left Jehovah this is what happens this is what happens when you leave Jehovah you, but never is there any examples of people that have actually got on with their lives and if there is it's because well yes because you know he's uh been sucked in by Satan's world mm -hmm. and He's getting his reward now, but Jehovah will kill him at Armageddon. Yeah. It's like, it's to, to be able to leave that, how how are you to leave that when that's what's portrayed that's mm -hmm. going to happen here? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Massive, yeah. massive mental health. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we have another comment. My mother said if I didn't go to the meeting that I would be staying home with Satan instead of Jehovah at the hall. Oh, oh man. Wow. What a horrible thing to say to a kid. Oh, I'm just wondering, Freddie, how old was you when when that was said to you? Because I can't imagine that impact. To think, you know, to tell your kid that Satan is in the house. That's terrible. Well done, Freddie. <laughs> <laughs> Ironically, she's out. <laughs> wow. Oh, well, all, all's well that ends well. <laughs> so, I think we should can wrap it up there, guys. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. It's been a pleasure having you on the channel. It's thank been a you pleasure so much being part. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you, viewers, for watching as well. Thank you for your questions and for your super chats. It's very much appreciated. So please check the description of the video for links to uh, Jared's YouTube channel and also to Debbie's Facebook page. Uh, you can also contact Debbie by email. Her email address is in the description as well.
So uh, thank you so much again for watching. Please proceed to the Jexit in an orderly fashion and I'll see you in the next one. Thank you so much for watching to the very end of the video. If you haven't already done so, please like, leave a comment and subscribe to the channel. If you like my work and want to help me continue doing it, please support me on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Jexit underscore 2020.